glad to see you in the house of the Lord. I, I want to know, who, who do we have in here that is a veteran? You're a veteran. Stand, if you would. Mr. Bud, who else? Mr. Norman? Mr. Norman, what years did you serve, and what, was there any conflict at that time frame? What was going on? Tell us about it. I know you can remember. During the Korean War. How about you, Mr. Bud? Same time. To God be the glory. I served from 1990 to 1999 doing uh, Desert Storm and Desert Shield. Thank the men and women who have made the sacrifice to stand in the gap for us. Amen? I know many of you have got family and others that, that um, have, and, and uh, we're thankful for those that were willing and those who were left behind uh, that supported them on that mission and journey. In a country that stood behind their people, uh, hadn't always been that way, but there was a time when America stood behind their, their servicemen who fought and would be willing to sacrifice for them, and then there was times where they wouldn't stand. And may we support them in whatever endeavors they uh, launch out in. We believe that whatever they do, they're doing it because they've got orders to do it. And they're doing what uh, they, they deem to be right and we want to support them. We want to pray for them and ask God to help them. Amen? To him be the praise. Matter of fact, Greg, won't you uh, pray for our servicemen and women that are abroad right now, if you would, and those families, there's families left behind. There's some spouses and some children uh, that, that are without a, a dad or a mother right now because of uh, their, their willingness to sacrifice. And, and just pray for those families as well. Amen. God has promised that he would be a father to the fatherless and that he would be the husband to the widow and that he is a faithful faithful friend what a friend we have in jesus amen, amen. take if you would and uh, open up your copy of the word of god and turn to the book of psalms this morning uh, we're just about to wrap up the song i have enjoyed it how about you amen. man and we've just rolled right on through we it seems like we just started in them and now we're about to wrap up with uh, but these psalms are, are are just a rich blessing to us and I want to talk about songs of ascent today uh, from Psalm 120 to Psalm 134, which is uh, a group of psalms that uh, we, we attribute to the idea of a, of a pilgrimage. Those who were planning on, those who was making their way toward Jerusalem, those that lived in Jerusalem, it was the idea of ascending from the place where you were at, which was a low place, in, in a foreign territory, a foreign world, as you made your progress to worship the Lord in Zion, that you was on your way to, to the house of the Lord uh, to bring glory and honor to Him. And there's 15 psalms that we know of as the songs 
uh, of ascent as a traveling upward from a lowly, humble place to the peak of being able to adore and worship. And that's the picture that they, the, the idea is that they would sing these psalms and they would remember these 15 psalms in particular and they would quote them and sing them to one another as they traveled. Many people had to travel afar to go to Jerusalem to worship in the temple, to go worship Jehovah God. And as they did, they would, they would sing these psalms as they would make their journey toward Jerusalem. And you could see the progress of that as you read in Psalm 120 to Psalm 134. You can see the progression as they make their way and as they start out. Look, look if you would, in Psalm 120. We're going to focus in on 127 and 128. That's the centerpiece of these psalms. But if look in verse number uh, 120, Psalm 120, and you can see he starts out as if in this, in this faraway place, and he's writing these things. Of course, David wrote some of them, and David wasn't in a faraway place, but there were times when David would be out on, as a king, out on uh, duty and, and battling and fighting, and, and there could be some times when he wrote some of these psalms as they was making their way back toward Jerusalem as well. But the Scripture says in Psalm 120, In my distress I cried to the Lord, and he heard me. Isn't that a blessing? God would hear us. Not only would he hear us, but that he hears us when we are in, in distress. Deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. Not necessarily from within me, but from those around me. What shall be given to you or what shall be done to you, you false tongue? Sharp arrows of the warrior with coals of the broom tree. Woe is me that I dwell in Meshach, that I dwell among the tents of Kedor. My soul has dwelt too long with one who hates peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Here, here's a picture of, a, of an individual as he's crying out to the Lord and he's describing that he's in this, this faraway place, that he, his tent where he dwells is in one place, but he is as if he's a merchant in somewhere else for a short period of time, but his, his heart is, is, is in the presence of the Lord. And I want you to look at Psalm 134. This is the last one of these songs of ascent. They make their way from here to this point. This is what he says. Imagine yourself traveling, and when you come to the temple of God, you've made it all the way from wherever you are. You get to the final destination, and that is my aim is to be in the house of the Lord. Psalm 134, the last song of this ascent says, Behold, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord. Bless him. Amen. When you... When you're in his presence, wherever you are, just bless him. But he, he's going to specifically deal with who by night stand in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. The Lord who made heaven and earth, 
bless you from Zion. Here they've made this journey and they get to the house of God and that's the closing of this psalm that, that those who stand in the temple, those who serve the tabernacle, those who serve the house of God, the Levites, Aaron's descendants, those who've been tasked to do this service when, when nobody's looking, when nothing else is going on, when there's not activity on the outside, when people are not bringing sacrifices, when people are not uh, uh, approaching the priest for uh, prayer and for the atoning work of, of, of their sin and confession. But when you're just in the, in the midst of the service, in the middle of the night, when nobody's looking and you're doing what you've been called to do, they, they cry out and say, what a blessed privilege you have to serve the tabernacle of God, the temple of God. Lift up your hands and bless him in the night, those who serve him. He's worthy to be praised. Amen. When nothing's going on around you, just lift up your hands and praise him. Give him thanks for where you are. You see, this is the progress of this psalm. And if we look in the center part of it, if we get down to the central part, notice what the center is dealing with. Look in Psalm 127. If I was to ask you to quote this psalm, you could probably quote it, many of you. We say we believe it, but we don't always live it. But we need to. Amen? Amen? Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early and to sit up late to eat the bread of sorrows. For so he gives his beloved, what? Sleep. Amen? Proverbs 3 says he gives his, his people sweet sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. You know, as I think on this psalm, I, I, a lot of times I, I believe what this psalm says, but from a practical standpoint, I don't necessarily, and I'm sure you as well, we, we neglect the, the reality of this psalm is that it's really, it, it's true, that unless God builds it, Whatever we do is in vanity, isn't it? Remember as we read through some of these other psalms, David said, Lord, unless you speak to me, my life is, is vain. I can't help people. I'm useless as a dead man. John 15, Jesus said, unless you abide in me, you can do nothing. You see, all this same thought is, is applicable to us today. Uh, unless the watchman... Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman that stays awake stays awake in vain. You know, our military men and women who are serving our country right now, unless God protects us, unless God does a work, it's in vanity, isn't it? God's got to guard our, our city. God's got to guard our home. Great, God's got to guard our life so that we may leave five minutes later than what we anticipated so we don't meet somebody on the highway. Amen? 
Who knows all the things that God protects us from? A lot of times we have no clue and may never know exactly all the things he prevents and keeps us from in our life. But the thing is that we need to know. Unless God's doing it, it's useless. And we want to surrender to him. I mean, the, the fruit of the, 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 the womb is a heritage from the Lord. Arrows in the hands of a warrior. You know, an arrow goes where you and I can't go. We can launch it out and fly and all we do is been used by the Lord to hopefully mold and shape those arrows, our children, our kids, our little ones, from kids to grandkids on down, that we've done everything that God has taught us to do and everything that we attempted to do, and he's led us to do to shape and mold them that when they are launched out, they fly straight. And they reach places that we can't never reach or would never reach. And we've got to let them fly, amen? An arrow flies in the enemy territory. Arrow flies against that which, or goes against that which you're trying to make provision for. And a lot of times we don't want to let them go. We don't want to launch them out. Uh, they become so uh, valuable and precious to him. It's kind of like a man that has a gun that, that's so precious to him he won't never shoot it. But a lot of times we don't want our kids to be launched out and go places. We don't want them to go to Africa. But they arrows to fly where we couldn't go. Let them, let them fly. Amen. Look, God will take care and protect. You think about it. Here's a man that's been diagnosed with stage 4 lung cancer. Tumor on the brain and uh, liver and, and, and things that look very dim for, for them. And either God is up to something big that he's going to do a mighty work. Or God's going to take Mr. Henry home. But when you think about it, we talked about this in Sunday school. Think about what God's word says. These are the three options we have as a child of God if we want to abide in them. Number one, God's grace is always sufficient. Amen? And that's what he told Paul when Paul brought his ailment before him and he said, Lord, I pray that you remove it. He wanted it away from him. He didn't want to have to go through it. He didn't want to have to bear it. But God told him that my grace is sufficient for I my, my strength is magnified through your, your infirmity, your weakness. My grace is sufficient. So we can trust that, look, if God decides to endure with us in the midst of this trouble, His grace is sufficient. And the grace of God always has an aim to glorify God, doesn't it? So God's going to use me in this to glorify Him. Number two, God's going to heal me. And if he seems to heal me, we're just going to point people unto him as our great healer. And number three, he's going to take you home. Spend eternity. That's pretty good options, amen, amen. for a child of God. And those that are left behind, guess what? His grace is sufficient, isn't it? It's tough. There's no doubt about it. But God will bear us. He'll, he'll go in the trouble with us. Y'all remember reading that in Psalm 91, didn't you, when God said, when a man sets his love upon me? I will deliver him, and I will go in the trouble with him. It's a great, great comfort to know that God's going to deliver us through the trouble, through the trial, but it's also a great comfort that his presence will go into it with us. You see, unless he does it, whatever we go through is empty. It's useless and vain. But whatever he goes in with us in a thing, whether it be building a house or guarding a city or raising children, to him be the glory. He's going to use it for his praise.
Look in Psalm 128. Remember, these two psalms are center, these songs of ascent as they're thinking about going to worship the Lord. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You know, when you think about that, to walk in his ways means you have to what? Follow him. So something has to happen for me as a person to follow him. If, I, if I'm, if I'm self-centered living for myself and something happens in my life that I can be free of thinking and living that way so that I can fear him, so that I can follow him, what takes place? God's got to forgive me. Amen? Uh, look over. We're just going to look at a few of these psalms. Look over in Psalm 130. This ought to bless your heart. Look in verse number 3. Y'all don't mind using your Bible, do you? Y'all did read through these, amen? So they're familiar to you. Look in verse number 3 of Psalm 130. This ought to make you want to uh, dance in here today. Even if you ain't a dancer. Psalm 130 in verse number 3 says, If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who can stand? Oh, if you was to seal someone's fate based on their iniquities, if you was to mark it, seal it down, write it down, say, that's it, it's done, you have, you, it cannot be dealt with, you, it's marked, and it will be forever marked, who in the world would be able to stand before a holy God? Nobody. But notice what the second part says. But there is forgiveness with you. For what reason? That you may be See, when God forgives a man and he frees him of his iniquity and his sin, God instills with him a holy fear before a holy God who's released him of his iniquity. So people that tell you that they've been forgiven but they don't fear God, they're only lying to you. Amen? You need to recognize that. God says that that his word teaches us when he forgives somebody, he forgives them that he may be feared. And the idea of fearing him is the idea of following him. You are yielding over to him. You hoping in his mercy. Because look back again, if you would, in 128. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, and he's fixing to describe this person who walks in his ways. Amen? And you see, forgiveness precedes fear. When you've been forgiven, God forgives you that you may fear him. And when you fear him, you'll walk in his ways and you can be, you, you're described by God as a blessed man. Why? You've been forgiven. You're following after him. Amen? Amen. So don't let nobody lie to you. If they tell you they've forgiven, but they don't fear him and walk in his ways. Matter of fact, there's a psalm. Y'all probably remember reading. I can't quote it right now exactly where it is. The scripture says that they have no fear of you, O God. How do they know? Because there's been no change in their life. They have no fear of you, Lord, for there's been no change in their life. 
They have not changed their ways. And a man that's not changed his ways has not been forgiven. And the reason he don't change his ways is because he's still in his way and he's not been released from his ways and he has no fear of God. But when God forgives you, he wants you to know you're forgiven and he's going to make sure you know you're forgiven so that you in turn will reverence him and fear him and follow his leadership. You'll give your allegiance to him. Amen? He's forgiven you. He's let you see who you were and the debt of your sin has been paid for and covered and you can't help but follow a king who's paid your price, your loyalty to him. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. 128 verse 2, when you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy and it shall be well with you. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the heart of your house and your children like olive plants all around your table. Behold, thus, this is what it looks like for a man to be blessed by God who fears the Lord. For the Lord bless you out of Zion and may you see the good of Jerusalem all the days of your life. Yes, may you see your children's children. Peace be upon you. Israel. Man, this is a psalm to ponder here. Because he's fixing to describe for us from verse 2 and verse 3 what it means to be blessed by God, a man that fears the Lord. You see, the first part of this psalm, write this down. If you got something, I want you to write this down. I think it'll help you. I'm not going to spend but a minute and we're going to be out of here. Write this down. It'll help you. I'm going to give you four things. I'm talking about quickly, so you got to write quick, amen? Can you write quick? I normally can't write quick because I can't spell good, and I get caught up trying to spell something that I can't spell and can't remember what he said, and I just lose it. Y'all like me? So if you got any questions, just ask me afterwards because I'm going to go by quick. But I'm not going to give you these big words, so you you ought to be able to walk with me. Just look at verse 1 again. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. Just write down his priority. The man that fears the Lord has a priority in his life. And his priority is to walk in the ways of the Lord. To follow his God. That's his, that's his priority. The word of God changes not. The New Testament confirms and says the exact same thing. It says seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be what? You see, the, the, the heart of this man, this, this is what this passage is talking about, his heart, his priority, his heart is to follow after the Lord. He fears his God, that's his priority, to follow God above all other things, above everything else, it is to Follow after the Lord. Now, will he, will he foul up in that at times? Will he mess up? Will he get distracted, Bill? Will he let things bother him? He will, but, but characteristically, how you would be able to describe this individual is the priority of his heart is to follow God, to fear him. That's his priority. He won't do it all the time. But that's what he'll be known of as a man 
that made it a priority to follow after God. He'll give in every once in a while to compromise. There'll be times that he's shaking. There'll be times that he trembles. There'll be times that he doesn't. But you will, he will be known as an individual who makes it his priority to follow the Lord. It'd be like Greg's. Love that Psalm 119, verse 74. It says, let those who fear you be glad when they see me. Amen. Why? Why are you glad to see somebody that fears the Lord? Because your priority and their priority is the same. It's, it's, you got a heart to follow after the Lord. And you can't help but be glad when you see a person like that. You know, I, I preached last Tuesday night in Louisiana, and I first one there. But I was sitting in there, and I was looking over my stuff. I was reading in the Word and thinking about what I was going to preach, and here comes a, a, a blue and tan Ford Explorer, and it pulled up and backed up, and, and uh, Ford Expedition, excuse me, pulled up and backed up, and saw him looking over there and boy he had a big old grin on his face and he was looking at me and it was a brother friend of mine brother Jimmy Oldman and his family I was glad to see him blessed me drove an hour to come over and fellowship with us knew I was coming in and drove over and I've been preached about four revivals for him and I was glad to see him it blessed my heart you know here's a man that fears God that loves the Lord Scripture says in verse 79 of Psalm 119, Let those that know your testimonies turn to me. And, O oh God, let me walk in thy statutes that I may not be ashamed. When they turn and seek help and guidance from me, let me, Lord, let those that, that fear you, that know your testimonies, be glad, but not only that, let them turn to me. Why? That, that would be the priority of the blessed man of God, that he, his heart is to walk in the way of the Lord. He'll disappoint you every once in a while. There's no doubt about it because he ain't always going to do it. But that's what characteristically describes his life. Amen? Mm. He's a man been forgiven by God. N number two, I told y'all we was going to go fast. Huh? You said, I thought you was going to go faster. Well, we are. Y'all stay with me now. Number two, when you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy and it shall be well with you. Uh, I said his priority, but you want to look at his, his productivity. Look at his hands. His productivity. When you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy and it shall be well. But there's something to say about being content. Contentment with godliness is great gain, the scripture says. Contentment with godliness. Godliness speaks of fearing God and following his ways. And a man that's able to be content and happy with the work of his hands, the idea of his hands, some people are good with their hands. They can build just about anything. They can, they can, they can uh, make pews like this or pulpits like this or build homes. They're talented. They're gifted. But there's other people that can grow crops with their hands. There's other people that can do business with their hands. The idea is just the work of your hands. Whatever God has designed you for to do, whether it be like me, to, to teach and preach the Word of God, when you do that, you'll be happy, you'll be content, and you'll be pleased with what you're doing for the king, and you'll be content. And it could be coaching a softball team or teaching an English class or working with cows or 
whatever it may be. You'll be happy with the labor of your hands. Amen. Content. And you'll be able to sit and enjoy the productivity of your life. Number three. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house and your children like olive plants all around your table. That, that deals with his, his purpose. His purpose, his home. You see, we, we've talked about his priority to follow the ways of God. His hands, his productivity, how he works and labors uh, to be productive for the kingdom. And you see his purpose, his home. That his wife is a fruitful vine. She's not stifled. She's cultivated. She's nurtured. She is blessed by her husband. And she's the heart of the home. She's abundant. She's fruitful. She's a blessing. She's promising. She looks good because she's got fruit upon her life. And she loves her husband. She adores him. She's, she's blessed by him. And she's blessed by that brood that she has. And his purpose is to to feed that, to nurture that, to use that to the glory of God. That's a blessed man. His purpose is to nurture his home, his wife, his girls, his boys, his children. And then we see you know, verse 4 tells us, Behold, that word means what? Look. It's a faith word, isn't it? You've got to see it by faith. You may not see it in life. You may not see it, but this is a faith. A faith issue, we've got to see this is what God describes as a blessed man. And number five, let, verse five, the fourth, the fourth thing I want to point out, and we're going to go, is that his part. Just say his part. You know, I'm keeping with these P's here. His priority, his productivity, his purpose, and his part. What is his part? His part is to, to help. To help. What do you mean? Notice how this is not focused in on individuality. Notice what he says in verse 5. It's not just about your home. It's not just about your abode. It's just not about your fruitful wife and your olive plants around your table. It's not just about your arrows. But notice what verse 5. The Lord bless you out of what? Zion and may you see the good of the whole city. Your helper. All the days of your life. And yes, may you see your children's children. Peace be upon Israel. Here's a great picture of a man who says, I'm going to make it my priority to walk in the ways of the Lord, to fear God, to follow him. I see that my hands are to be productive for the kingdom and for my family. I see that my purpose in my home is to nurture my family and my children and my wife to grow them up to be what God's called them to be so that we can play our part and be a help to the people around us so that not only will my home be a blessing, but my community and my nation and my country, my city, the place that I live, we can all be blessings together, bringing glory unto God. Amen? Amen. You see, we've got to make it our priority. We need to be productive. We need to see our purpose so that we can play our part 
in the society that we live in. We can get very desensitized to everybody around us. Are you with me? You can see a community, a country, a nation. It seems like things are, are crumbling, falling apart all around us. And we can just say, well, look, I'm going to focus in on me, myself, and I. And lose the big picture that we're ambassadors, aren't we? God's going to use us to reach other people. He wants us to. And we're going to play our part, but to play our part, we've got to make sure our priorities right. We must be productive, and we must see our purpose is to nurture and cultivate an environment that God's people within our home and our community can flourish. That's a blessed man. Amen? That fears God, that walks in his ways. They would teach this and sing this, when they were leaving their homes and traveling to go worship the Lord. There was a few times out of the year that God required his people to make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem to worship. They didn't have to go all the time, but some had to walk. I mean, they didn't have any other way to get there. They had to walk. But as they walked and journeyed through, through <coughs> wilderness and through dark places, through troublesome places, they would sing to one another these songs as they made that journey. To worship the Lord. It started out in distress. In a foreign place. In the middle of it. It focused in on the core. That God must build the family. And guard the city. And raise the children. And teach blessed men. How to follow him. And to make things a priority. So they can play their part. And it closed out getting to the house of the Lord. And said look you men that serve the temple. When we're not around and we're not here during the daylight hours, our God's worthy to be blessed and praised. Just lift your hands up and praise him in the house of God. Amen? Amen. Good picture. That's saying that we're making worship the way we live a priority in our life. It's who we are. It's what we do. If we're following our great king. He's forgiven us. Amen. Amen. Therefore, I fear him.